committed versus interested. Everybody loves this idea. Oh, I like what Philip is saying right now. This, yeah, this data. That's right. That's right. And then they go, I'm interested. And then you go, great. Right. You have to invest in the data. Like there's a, you have to track these people. You have to invest in a strategic marketing plan. You have to invest in sort of a rebrand, not a redo of your company, changing the language on your website, um, creating video content. By the way, it, like, do people are they buying pictures right now, or are they buying you know people telling real stories? Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it, and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, I've got Philip Stutz. Philip, thanks for making time. Oh, so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So you, you've done a lot of things, author, the political side, the corporate side. How do you, how do you introduce yourself when you meet strangers? Whoa, good question. Um, I guess business owner, and it's a really, it's a really good question because um, I love building businesses. Um, I've, I've got a brand company that's sort of um, where you know I, I do professional speaking and get paid for it, and I write books and I do you know one-on-one -on -one consulting things like that. Um, and we put out social media and all that stuff, I, but it's not what I'm passionate about, and I don't pursue it. I put it out there to put my and I write you know a, a, a blog series at Medium every two weeks. I write about marketing. But I really love being a business owner. I don't want to be uh, an influencer of social media ilk, uh, even though I put it out there. I'm not trying to build that platform. So when people ask me what I do, I, I say entrepreneur or owner, of, you know, business owner uh, or uh, <laughs> multifaceted marketer. You know? But it all comes back to the business. It doesn't come back to uh, – well, I'm a professional speaker and a coach, and like I don't—that's not the way I would ever professionalize myself. Yeah. Well, um, maybe to start with, can you talk about some of the accomplishments in the kind of 20 plus years of, of politics that you've you've been a part of? Yeah, I mean, even before that, I, I am uh, in my 40s now. I am uh, the first generation of ADD kids, so I wasn't. There wasn't even ADHD. It was just attention deficit disorder. Uh, I got put on Ritalin when I was in the 80s. Um, I was told I was not smart, that I was dumb. They put me in classes that were below normal classes of junior high and high school, like literally below like I was with people with mental impairments um, that's the kind of classes they put me in um, and so uh, because of that I, I think I'm probably an entrepreneur because I hated school so much because of that experience but I I also know that uh, because I am ADD which I think is an asset and not um, a, anything that's bad uh, I could only do things that I was passionate about and so uh, in, in junior high, high school, and college, I really was only passionate about two things, and that was sports um, and in a very nerdy way, I was, politics. Not, not policy, not healthcare policy or, or you know, any kind of uh, anything like that. It was always like how are political campaigns won and lost? I was fascinated by the game of politics. And so when it came time to get a job after college, 
I basically said, oh, I got to do what I, you know, something I would be really excited about every day because my attention just won't stay with it, right? And so I uh, did an internship on a presidential campaign in 1996 and, uh, man, fell in love with it. Um, I think from from 1999 through 2000, no, no, from 2000 to 2002, so three-year period, 2000, 2001, 2002, I had 21 total days off in three years, uh, including weekends. Um, this is a 24-7 profession work, and you're fighting for your candidates because you believe you're making an impact not only on uh, uh, on the country and the world, but obviously you're very purpose-driven, and so. Um, I just became obsessed. While most entrepreneurs were out building businesses and making money, um, I literally was serving a politician uh, working 24-7 to get them elected, which it gives, me, gives me a unique perspective as a business owner because my only perspective is, is the client succeeding or not first, and then when they succeed, I succeed. And that's how it works in politics. I don't. I'm ultimately in a failure if my candidates always lose. That I wouldn't be able to work in my business. And so, um, really, it started there. I ended up working and running governor's races, Senate review, United States Senate races. Um, I've been a part of three uh, winning presidential campaigns. Uh, I think I've got over 1,200 election victories. I've been a part of. Um, and all of that is uh, through the fact that I grew up an ADD kid and realized at an early age I had to do something I was passionate about. I love it. You know, um, a, a couple of books along those lines for anybody who who shares that feeling about themselves like you and I do um, that kind of helped me start to see it as an asset as well. Uh, Rocket Fuel by Gina Wickman does a good job. Sure. Um, but uh, have you heard of this book, Faster Than Normal? No. It's awesome. Uh <laughs> I read it and then I had my 13-year-old son read it and it just talks about how people whose brains don't work like ours spot all the deficiencies of our brains really easily but not yeah. necessarily the advantages and basically like how to recognize the advantages and not be ashamed of not be ashamed that those are my advantages and I don't have I don't have the other ones that a lot of other people do right. and uh and then there's another one called Hunters in a Farming in a Hunters in a Farmer's World that uh, I like as well, along these lines. That's pretty cool. Well, I'm, I love that you mentioned Gina Wickman. I mean, we're a attraction company. Um, so if that's the same Gino yeah, we're talking yep. about, attraction. And uh, yeah, big big fan of his work. So I'll check that book out for sure. Yeah. So um, I, I bought your book this morning and was uh, speed reading it. Um, fire them now on Amazon, everybody. Go check it out. But um, when you think about... Uh, kind of the unfair advantage it would seem like you're bringing to the game of that level of work ethic. You know, so before become before getting into investment, I took the very traditional route to investment banking, right? I'm an art school dropout, okay? So, <laughs> so um, art school dropout, became an entrepreneur, got headhunted by Citigroup, okay, to go to mergers and acquisitions. And uh, it was because I could talk to entrepreneurs. That's really the only reason. But um, when you think about... I don't know. So many of my art school friends are now agency owners because it's a way to get mm. paid to do art, you know? Mm -hmm. And some of them have done great things. And other ones have mostly created really pretty ads, maybe not the most effective ads, right? And, um, and again, like when you come from the world of skateboarders and artists like I did, like, you know, we were mostly trying to figure out how to get out of work so we could go snowboarding, right? So I'm interested for you coming into the agency world 
um, on this corporate side, um, this, you know, 24 seven, let's get out there and kill it type of mindset. Uh, I, I can see some obvious advantages at, right off the bat, but what has that experience been like to bring the political work ethic to maybe the <laughs> art school dropouts <laughs> world? Man, that's, that's, man, you, you're asking really good questions. So I would tell you, uh, and I'll, I'll give the reasons why, um, there in politics, it, there's the difference between most businesses, not all, there are a lot of business owners that, that fall into the, the good side, but most business owners have a difference with political you know, candidates that run for office. One of them is committed and one of them's interested. The mm. politician is committed. They will do whatever it takes to win. You know why? Because we have election day. You can't escape it. It's the date that you get your uh, you know, pass fail grade. And when you have a deadline like that, there are not a lot of tire kickers running for office. There are people that are committed and they will, you know, they'll, you know, every second of the day, I learn the value of time through political campaigns because it ends, right? Um, most business owners uh, that I've worked with and even a lot of marketers are interested. Interested means for the moment, I'm interested uh, until I'm not interested and I, the shiny object somewhere else pulls me in a different direction or I have a thousand meetings on one idea or all these things. Like That's just not the way it works. I come with a mindset on the corporate side of uh, I want to work with committed uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, and marketers, people that go, we get it. And let me give you an example of that. We work for a national pest control company. Um, the reason I like working for these guys as, a, as the, their marketer, uh, the marketing agency, is that if the pest control company ever stops marketing, they're out of business, right? <laughs> right? I mean, they're gone, right? The people are constantly looking for you know, pest control services. So if you are not marketing and putting yourself out there constantly, you're out of business. That's a committed business, right? So we work for a national, very well-known pest control company. And they had been around for 35 years. And they came to us and said, for two years, we had, uh, we had been, you know, scaled this company to ungodly heights. And then all of a sudden, um, from basically 2015 to 2018, 17, 18, they came to us and said, we, uh, we spent, you know, $2 million on marketing in particular markets, and we lost market share in those markets. And I mean, when you spend $2 million, your, your goal is not to lose market share. And they're like, we can't figure out what's going on. And so this is where the political mindset comes into play. So I said, uh, well, what are your customers looking for other than dead bugs, right? Because that's the number one thing people are coming to find is, hey, we want dead bugs. And then what's the, what, what is it beyond that? And they said, well, what do you mean? <clears throat> I said, well, how are you marketing your company? And they said, we have been, we, you know, basically 5X the company off the Great Recession by all of our marketing efforts going towards discounts. Like, we discount this. You can, you know, uh, subscribe to us for a year of pest control services. You get a 25% discount. Have our guy come over, do a free inspection. Everything was discounts. Everything, everything was discounts. Literally, discounts was all over their marketing. And I said, all right, well, it, are your, your customers aren't buying into discounts. Why? And they go, we don't know why. Well, this is where my political background comes in. So let me make them, let me kind of show you how it's done in politics. And then I'll come back to this story. 
and that is that in politics, the first thing I do when I sit down with a politician that wants to run for governor in the United States Senate, something like that, I say, what do you care about? What do you want to run on? What are the issues that are driving and motivating you to run for office? Inevitably, that politician will give me 10, 10 ideas that they love to talk about. I say, cool. And then I go, all right, we're going to go poll the state. You know, We're going to take a poll of the voters. Now, this is very simplistic. In today's day and age, with data and consumer data and all that, it's much more complicated. But for this podcast and this story, let's just keep it simple. So we'll go in and we'll poll that particular state. And inevitably, we find that the voters are only focused on about two issues. That's about the max that they can keep in their brain along with everything else in their life. And those two issues are burning inside of them, and they will vote for anybody that advocates those positions. And I go to the politician, and I say, hey, you, you said you want to talk about these 10 things. Guess what? You're only in alignment with the voters on these two. That's all we're going to talk about. I don't care. We're not talking about anything else. No, not, not talking about anything else. Those two. And then we are going to run a campaign and maximize and go in a hundred different directions with those two issues. So all so I'm I love the politician, Jess, but I'm obsessed with the with the voter. I'm obsessed with the voter, right? And so let's go back to this particular uh, national pest control company. So I went to them and I said, What what do your customers think? And they said, Well, they 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 like discounts, but now they're not. So we, I, I did this a couple of years ago before I launched my company. I got a licensing agreement. I spent six figures on a licensing agreement with the largest data collection company in America. They were selling their proprietary soft, you know, data to, or you know, the ability to track customer data. They were selling it to Fortune 200 companies. It was costing $100,000 per company. And I said, I would rather pay a large fee and then offer this at a much reduced cost to my clients. So I, I'm the exclusive license holder for them as a marketing agency. And so what we did was we overlaid the customer base of this pest control company. And we found something incredibly interesting. As the recession of 2008, as the longer we got of that and the, the economy improved, and what we found was their customer base, not a lookalike audience, their customer base wanted high-quality products and services and were willing to pay more money. That they saw the word discount and thought, ooh, stay away, that's cheap. We also found out that their customer base, because they wanted high quality, they wanted to, they wanted green safe products. This pest control company has a green product offering. They had never marketed it. And then finally, we found out that 62% of their customer base had kids that were already out of the household, meaning that they were in their low 50s to high, you know, to, to 80s. They were the kids were out of the house. That they care these customer bases cared less about raising their kids because they were out of the house, and more about how their community, how their community was positively impacted. Well, this particular company had contributed millions of dollars in profits to the various communities they were in all over the country, and they had never told that story. And we went, oh, my God, guys, the data, not me sitting around a table like maybe some of your art friends going, hey, let's have a brainstorm on an idea to run an ad. I went, guys, I know the ad that we have to run now. I know the marketing campaign. I'm, and by the way, this data told us the platforms that we, we needed to go to to market to this audience. Um, I can – in that data that I tell you about, I can literally tell you – uh, the social media platforms, the, any customer base is on in a chronological order of where they're going the most and the least. 
Uh, I can tell you what media they consume. I can tell you their top values in life. I can tell you anything about them because what we do is we don't find out what they say, the customers. We track them for five months previously because we can go back and track all their movements online for five months. And then we usually track them for an extra month uh, in the future. And so I have extensive data on them in different subsets and different demographic subsets and different gender subsets. And I'll talk about the differences on gender with another client in a minute. But what I'm telling you, so we went to them and we said, we're revamping your whole marketing strategy. No more discounts. So I said, and I have a five-step process we use in marketing political campaigns. The first is to get the data. The second is you write a strategic marketing plan. The third is you got to rebrand the company. So what I mean by that is if your website is saying we're giving discounts, that's bad branding because that's not what your customers want. We need to brand the website, brand the video content uh, to make sure it hits the points that the consumer wants to buy. And then we take what we found in this data and we go to low cost test the message. So we tested all these messages. And uh, again, we found green products, high quality, and taking care of your community. And, and are you testing those like pay-per-click or on social or what, what's getting a yeah, little more right. granular? What, yeah. What's your testing, low cost testing weapons of choice? Yep, so here's the thing, I hate uh, banner ads. Uh, for the most part, but I love them to test because if you can get a consumer to click on a banner, your message is going to be working, right? So I I love video. I love, you know, obviously video is the king right now and everything you do, but you can low cost banner ad test and find out if your message and your graphic and your art and your, you know, the, uh, the graphics work because if people are clicking through on them at a high rate, then something about that ad is, is working, right? And then you have to turn that into something that's more emotionally connected. So that's what we did. We, we tested all these ads. We figured out what worked. We, we tested various platforms like direct mail, which crushed, uh, but also Facebook crushed. And then we went out and, um, and, Basically, the fifth step is you launch the marketing campaign at that point. So here's what happened. So this company that had lost market share hired us. They went through our marketing process. We, we call it a, 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 a sort of our undefeated marketing system. They ended up having nearly – once they launched, they ended up getting two times more total conversions before the, than before then they started. They had a 29% increase in their click-through rates. They had 180% more conversions via Google search. Think about it. The reason that one is so important is because if you are a consumer and you go, oh, my God, uh, I, I need to get the, their bugs in my house, you're not going, do they sell green products? You're not saying, what's their family story? Do they have a family? Like all the things I just told you about. That's not the primary reason. But when that potential consumer Googles, pest control company they're now going to have a menu of 20 companies and they're going to click through three or four if they click through three or four what's the difference that makes the difference that's what the data is so critical about with this pest control company this past summer they had the greatest month in the history of their company 35 year company the greatest month in the history of their company why? Because all we do is think about the data and then optimize every analytics uh, that we get back from our ads and put lighter fluid on that. And that's the simple stuff. I'll, I'll give you, you want to give you one more story on this? I, I do, but I, I want to bring up a thought that you're making yeah. me think about. You know, I, I love you bringing up commitment. And then the other thing that I feel like kind of you're talking about there is this idea of 
like honesty, like intellectual honesty about what the customer wants instead of what we say they want. You know, like I think about my marketing friends that I do, you know, that I think are the the top ones that are actually making it happen. You know, people who have been on this show, right? And that idea of honesty, um, of like, what does the data say instead of what did we think up sitting around the boardroom table brainstorming, you know, and, um, and this idea of commitment, you know, we, we had, you know, we had somebody on the show who working for, you know, Fortune 100 company, they invented a holiday and they, they got major competitors and government agencies to join it. And that's not like a, oh, would be nice to. Like, you, they really have to push to make something like that happen, right? Um, totally. Other folks who are on here, they make those kind of, like, Dollar Shave Club-style funny video ads, right? And everybody can see on the outside, oh, that's so funny, people sit around and watch it. But what they don't know about is behind the scenes, like, how relentless those guys are on their testing and their analytics and running, like, multiple variations and switching narrators. And, like, instead of telling the client this is going to work, they actually test it so many times that, that they prove it works, you know? And it's like, I don't know, I can see, again, I'm, I'm thinking about your book and, and some of the things that impress me the most. And um, this idea of like, I know you didn't say this word, you didn't say it this way. I'm gonna put words in your mouth and I want you to correct me, okay? But I feel like you're saying like, my idea isn't right or your idea isn't right. The data is right. So why don't you make a guess and I'll make a guess and we'll test it. And then let's see, let's, let's let the data tell us what the truth is. I, I, I think I've lived my entire life that way. Like, and I'm just conditioned because I come from politics where the data is the only thing that really matters, right? There's a reason that Facebook and Google and Amazon are not e-com search and social plat uh, media companies. They are data companies. Why? Because the most powerful force in the world right now is data. And that may be above a listener's head, but what I mean by that is I, I want to use it for good. I want to find out what people care about and then make sure the product and the service serves what they care about, right? And so when I say interested versus committed, uh, let me on that particular pest control company, they spent $2 million without looking at data. And then they spent about 25000 to 35000 with us to get it right before they relaunched. And then they had their most successful munch ever. Did they, re did they make that money back, that twenty five thirty five thousand? 35000 Yes, they made, they made it back in about uh, two hours after launching the thing. The committed versus interested. Everybody loves this idea. Oh, I like what Philip is saying right now. This, yeah, this data. That's right. That's right. And then they go, I'm interested. And then you go, great. Right. You have to invest in the data. Like there's a, you have to track these people. You have to invest in a strategic marketing plan. You have to invest in sort of a rebrand, not a redo of your company, changing the language on your website, um, creating video content. By the way, it, like, do people are they buying pictures right now, or are they buying you know people telling real stories? Right, that's why video is so important. People are not buying pictures. There are there are places for pictures like banners and stuff like that. But my point is, is that you have to invest in doing it right on the front end, so you don't lose money on the back end. And the companies like pest control companies who are like, those guys are committed. They didn't even blink an eye. They go, yep, this is the right thing to do. We've never done this before. We got to go do it because we, we get it. Like no one's guessing anymore. But we will do work for other companies and, you know, about three steps into the process, they go, 
I don't know if I'm interested anymore. I want the get rich quick pill, right? And I go, well, no, no, no. That that's a crapshoot. Like that's like a one out of ten chance. Like I'm giving you a nine out of ten chance. <laughs> and and so they've become uninterested because ultimately they want to chase a shiny object. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, and that's it. I I want to bring the so I know we're about done for time on on part one of the interview, but this is something I want to talk about more in part two, and specifically how. Anybody who is leading an organization or anybody who, you know, who's listening, whose job is to try to change the minds of others, um, maybe, maybe we'll break it down into some more steps. Um, before we break here, though, um, can you tell people about this audit that you guys will do for free, <laughs> which I think is kind of amazing? Um, yeah. So we, you know, I created this uh, in the book. I said, you know, I, I feel like every entrepreneur should give before they take, right? So I wanted to create an opportunity for people for free to get insight into their marketing that could benefit them. So we created this free marketing. It's, it's five-minute free marketing audit. You can go to philipstutz.com, and I'm sure it'll be in the show notes, so you can look there. But um, And you basically fill out a five-minute form on your publicly available digital footprint, and once you do that, then um, you, we spend – my team spends two to three business days pouring over everything. We put together a 25-point checklist, about seven- to nine-page report, and we'll tell you what you're doing right and what you can improve and what the expected ROI is if you take the necessary steps to improve. And we'll – in addition, when one more thing, we will add a 30-minute free consultation call with, with the business owner uh, that takes this to answer their questions and go over the report. Now, if you look at that thing and you go, that's the most amazing thing ever, I want to work with you guys, that's, uh, that's great, cool. I'm, we're open to that. Obviously, um, you know, we both have to vet each other and make sure it's a good fit. Um, but most people take it and then they go, uh, they go take it and go implement it on their own. And we've done 600 at this point. Um, I'd offer it to any business owner out there right now. That's so great. Um, thanks for sharing that. Well. Um, I would recommend everybody uh, go check that out and tune in for part two. We're going we're gonna to be asking Philip for more um, specific details where the rest of us can apply this to our lives. Thanks, everyone.